Hallelujah. How, how about giving a hand clap for the worship team? They did so awesome. Amen. Thank you. Well, you may be seated. God bless you. How many of you are happy about the rain that fell today? Come on, we can give God praise for the rain, can't we? Hallelujah. I said we can give God praise for the rain. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. I like it when it rains. Every week where we go this year and, and uh, in the past when we get there, it rains at least one day. So for me, it's a spiritual sign that God is with us and that a physical outpouring, you know, will be a spiritual outpouring. Who agrees? Praise the Lord. Well, I started this morning in John chapter 14. That's where I got to, and then I didn't go any further. So John chapter 14, verse 12, if you have your Bible with you. John chapter 14, verse 12. How many of you are hungry for more of God? Okay, wait, let me change the question. How many of you want to be used by God? All right, then I'm talking to the right people, and you're in the right place. How many of you know the devil is a liar? And how many of you know Satan does not want you to work for Jesus? And so Satan is the father of lies, and he'll try to prevent us from getting active in God's kingdom. So one of my favorite verses, I've read this many times coming to this church, as I do in all the other churches. Verse 12 in John chapter 14, Jesus is speaking, and Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me. How many of you believe in him? All right. So he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. That's a very profound statement. Those of you who know my heart, if you're here for the first time, you might be a little bit shocked in my style of preaching. Those of you who know me, you're used to that. But I am convinced that most Christians are sitting in church and they are not doing the works of Jesus. Now, this is not a statement that I make to fight with you. But I think it's God's desire that he wants all of us to do what he was doing. This is why he said this. If you believe in me, what I'm doing, you can do also. Now, Jesus didn't just walk around preaching. Jesus went about, Acts chapter, uh, uh, Acts 10.38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, who went about doing good. And healing every sickness and every disease. It's not just the good things that God can do. God's heart is to heal the sick and the diseased people. To set the captives free. Who agrees? So there's a lot of people who are going about doing good. We feed the poor and, you know, we're going to help those people in the... the, But God wants us also to operate in the miraculous. Who believes that? Now, there's a reason for that, why we need to operate in the miraculous. Now, I'm going to uh, uh, combine two sermons tonight. We'll go on with it tomorrow night, but let's just see how far we get. And at the end of the meeting, I want to lay hands on you. 
But I want to. I want us to go to another verse, and if you'll just bear with me, I'm going to get it here quickly. In First Thessalonians, if you'll open your Bible there, First Thessalonians, chapter one. First Thessalonians, chapter one. We're going to read verse two. Or from verse 2. The, the major verse will be verse 5, I believe. Do you have it? Yeah. If you have it in your Bible, let's read it like this. It says, and I'm reading from the New King James Version, okay? He says, We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope, in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. So this is basically what a lot of Christians are doing. Let me just say this. Number one, he says that there is a labor of love, a work, first of all, a work of faith. So how many of you know just coming to church is an action of faith? Just coming to worship a God or something that we cannot see, everything we are doing is done by faith. Who can say amen? Yeah. Believing in God. So there is, the, there is the, the work of faith, then there is the labor of love that, that we are exercising, and then there is the patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you believe in the coming, the return of Jesus? Yeah. Who wants him to come again? Hallelujah. I'm ready for that. So we have this patience in the waiting of the return of Jesus. And then he says, verse 4, Knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. But now look at verse 5. Verse 5 is a very important verse. And I believe this verse is not just for certain people. It is for the Christian, the one who believes in God. Verse 5 says, For our gospel... Please note what he said, our gospel. Now, who's, who's speaking here? This is Paul. This is Paul's gospel. He says, our gospel did not come to you in word only. Now, he who has an ear must hear what I'm teaching. A lot of churches, people are only in the word. But he says, our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power. Not only in power, he says, but also in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. As you know, what kind of men we were among you for your sakes. Anybody still with me? Let me read it without you know, interfering the verse. It says, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sakes. Verse 6. And then he says, and you became followers of us. Hmm. You became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. So that you became examples you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord 
has sounded forth not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith towards God has gone out so that we do not need to say anything. Mm-mm-mm. That we do not need to say anything because of your faith and the word that you carried out. That's what he's saying. For they themselves declared concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serving the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus who delivered us from the wrath to come. There is so much information in this verse. If I may sum it up and I'll get back to this, but Paul is saying, I didn't just come to preach to you and give you some scriptures, but what I was preaching to you, I preached with a demonstration of power. Because this power, this demonstration of the power will confirm the word that was being taught to you. Now, I couldn't be able to teach this word without the demonstration of the power if I didn't have the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit empowers me to bring the demonstration of the power of God so that the word that I preach to you can become real. And by doing all of that, I have an an assurance inside of me that what I'm doing is right and real. Did you get that? There are five words that we see here in verse 5. Five things that we need to see. Number one, the word gospel. Who knows the word gospel means to bring glad tidings, good news, a message of hope. That is when you and I preach the word, we are bringing the good news, the hope that Jesus Christ was crucified, that Jesus Christ suffered for our sakes. If you go and study that word in the Strong's Gospel, which I've written down here, it's too much information. But when you study this word gospel, it means when we're bringing the good news, this is what it means. Gospel means the hope of Jesus Christ, that those who would believe in Jesus will go to heaven and not to hell. He who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, right? We find this word gospel. Let me read it out here because I wrote it down. The, the, the word gospel is mentioned 46 times in the New Testament. When we read the gospel of Christ is mentioned 11 times, the gospel of God seven times, and the gospel of the kingdom three times, and then the word gospel has randomly come 10 other times in the New Testament. So the word gospel comes up quite frequently, which means good news, glad tidings, a message of hope, which means that we are to preach, you and I, we who bring the good news to people out there, we must Tell the people that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and I. Your church denomination cannot save you. Your priest, your pastor, your mother, your father cannot save you. There is one Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? He's the one who died. He's the one who gave up his life. He is the Son of God. This is the message we are to bring to the people out there. We are to preach the cross. We are to preach the blood of Jesus. Thank you for the amen back there. I said we must preach the cross. There is no, there is no uh, deliverance. There is no victory if we don't preach the cross. Who can say amen? amen? 
The cross is not a figment of someone's imagination. The cross is a reality. It's history. It's been documented. Jesus went to the cross and he was punished for you and I. He was bruised for our iniquities. Amen. He bore the sin of the world upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price. The blood that was shed from us redeemed us from our sins. Amen. The blood washed us and cleansed us from all unrighteousness. And because of what Jesus did, that makes him the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to the Father except through Jesus. Give him praise if you believe that. Come on. Jesus is the only way. He's the good news. But not only do we preach this wonderful message of the cross and the message of salvation, but we also preach that Jesus rose from the dead and that Jesus stood up on the third day. Amen. And after 40 days of walking on the earth and showing himself to his disciples, Jesus was caught up in a cloud and he was taken up into heaven to be seated at the right hand of God, making intercession for you and I. Can you say amen? But the good news, the good news goes further than that. Jesus Christ is coming again. Hallelujah. He's coming back to fetch his bride. He's coming back to fetch his people. And if you are not ready and if you do not know Jesus Christ, then you will go to hell and you'll spend eternity in the lake of fire. Now that now it gets quiet again. We like the good part, but we don't like, but this is the good news. The good news is to warn people about the bad news. To receive good news, you first have to receive bad news. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. The bad news is there's a hell. The bad news is you're going to burn. The bad news is, the, you know, it's terrible. The end of the world is coming. There is such a thing as the end. And if you don't believe in that, well, your end is death. We're going to die. It doesn't matter who you are. You're going to die. Whether Jesus comes in the rapture and we don't die, he's going to come. The end will take place. But the, that's the bad news. The bad news is those who don't know God will go to hell. The good news is Jesus came and he died for us so that you and I don't have to go to that bad place, but we can go to heaven and spend eternity with him. Amen. So we carry a hope. We carry a glory. Now, there's a lot of people who preach this. This message of the gospel has been preached for over 2,000 years. Since Jesus was taken up into heaven, according to the Jewish calendar, 2,000 years has already gone by. Who knows that? And so Jesus is about to return. Jesus is about to come and rapture his church, to come and take his people with him whether you would believe that or not. But for 2,000 years, the message of the gospel has been preached throughout the whole world. People have been preaching this for 2,000 years. Uh, think about the, the, the 12 disciples or, or, yeah, the 12 disciples who ministered in the Bible time, who preached and conquered the world back then, 2,000 years ago. They had preached this good news. And then came all the, all the, the, uh, the prophets and, and, and the apostles and the evangelists and the missionaries and, you know, our forefathers. Think about this country. I was just preaching in Rocky last week, and I was saying, I'm preaching in, in, in the ACC church, the Australian Christian church, but what you, maybe some of you young ones don't know, that this is part of the Assembly of God Church, which is a Pentecostal movement, which is a movement that was established through signs and wonders and power and glory. Just like in our country, I come from the Apostolic Faith Mission, which was founded by a man by the name of John G. Lake, which was built upon signs and wonders and miracles. Hallelujah. You have an inheritance, ACC. You have something 
something powerful. Your background, your history is about signs and wonders and miracles. And may I pray this evening that you who are part of this church will keep that in mind that you have a Pentecostal inheritance and may you never deviate from that. Who can say amen? May you never lose the the fact that we were spiritful, tongue-talking people. Your forefathers died for you to be here today. Hallelujah. There are men and women who preach this gospel throughout the world who gave their lives so that you and I can have the opportunity of sitting here and enjoying the freedom of our religion. Hallelujah. Come on, give God praise. Hallelujah. God sent His people for us. And it, and, and, and it bothers me that we are, we are uh, I'm going to use this terminology, that we are, uh, as I say, we, the church, the Christians, we are being sucked literally into the worldly system. And the Pentecost movement has been taken out slowly but surely. The Pentecostal movement has been drying out. There's a lot of people who go to church who have a, have a form of godliness. They, they can talk the word. They can do the actions. But when you look for the fruit in their lives, you don't see that fruit. And this is why, ladies and gentlemen, the Paul writes and he says to us, when you come, when I came to you, that I not only came to you in word, but I I came to you in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance. Hallelujah. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying? We have come here to bring, not we, I didn't come here for you, but we as children who give our hearts to God, who got born again, spirit-filled, we have a mandate from God to bring a demonstration of the word that we are preaching. Amen. Who agrees with what I'm saying? So the word gospel is to bring the good news, the glad tidings. This is what we are to do. But not only that, we are to bring the the Logos word into reality. And how do we do this is by bringing a, a power demonstration. Go to Mark chapter 16. Who's hungry for more of Jesus? I tell you what, when I preach like this, I get real excited. Uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 20, verse says, uh, says this, And they went out and they preached everywhere. Now there's a whole lot of people who are going out and preaching everywhere. But what I like, it says, And when they preached everywhere, the Lord was working with them, confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Hello, God, when the gospel was being preached, God came and he confirmed the very word that was being preached with the signs that were following. And if you go back, you know this verse, all of, all of you know that I preach on this, but look at verse 16. Well, let's read verse, verse, verse 14. Oh, verse 15. And he said to them, go into all the world, and preach the gospel. Are you with me? The gospel, this good news. Go and preach this gospel to who? To every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Verse 17, and these signs, somebody say signs, these signs will follow those who believe. Jesus said, these signs will follow those who believe. 
He didn't say, uh, can we get the word on the board? Is that possible? The scriptures on the board? He didn't say, these signs will follow a certain church denomination. Mark chapter 16, verse 17. I am reading the Bible. How many of you believe in the Bible? How many of you know, as you are looking at me, that everything that we do is based upon the Bible? Everything we do, we get from the Word. Our whole existence of the Scripture is because of the Word. Who can say amen? We, the Bible, the spoken, the written Word of God. Now, Jesus said to them that we are to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go on, the next one. Pietro, I'm throwing you in the deep end here. Okay. Go into the world, preach this gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. I want actually to get to verse 17 while you're working there, verse 17. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. Now look at verse 17. If you do have your Bible, that's why I want you to bring your Bible with you. Verse 17 says, and these signs will follow those who believe. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, those who believe will cast out demons. Those who believe will speak with new tongues. Those who believe will take up serpents, and if they drink anything dead, the ill by no means hurt them. And those who believe will lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. <clears throat> Amen. And then he says, so then... After the Lord had spoken to them, he, received, he was received up into heaven, and he sat at the right hand of God. And they, the disciples, that means us tonight, all of us in this room, they went out and they preached everywhere. And the Lord was working with them. And what was he doing? He was confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Now, I know, because this is my teaching tonight, the message is entitled, Doing the Works of Jesus. Because the moment I begin to preach the way I preach, a lot of people are saying, but hang on now, I cannot do what you're saying. Well, that thought is of the devil, it's not of God. That thought does not even come from your own, yourself, it comes from the devil who says to you, you cannot do what Jesus did. So going back to John, there's still a lot more that I can speak here. But going back to John chapter 14, verse 12. Are you okay? John 14, 12. Jesus comes and he says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me. I love this word. It, it doesn't refer to a church group or an organization or even a person or a denomination. It says, he who believes in me. May I see by the showing of your hands. If you believe in him, raise your hand. All right? So Jesus is speaking to all of us in this room. I said he's speaking to all of us. 
He's not speaking to me, the, the, the evangelist, or to, to Pastor James. He's speaking to those who believe in him. He who believes in me, Jesus says, the works that I do, he who believes will do also. Now, what did Jesus do? Well, number one, he preached the gospel. He preached the good news. He spoke. This is what we do every Sunday. This is why you come to church is to hear what Jesus preached and what Jesus taught. And we can teach on the the Sermon on the Mount. And we can teach on prayer. And we can teach on on grace. And we can teach on holiness. But he, he, he was preaching this word. Can you say amen? He was preaching the gospel. And what else did he do? Not only did he preach, but he actually now performed what he was preaching. Jesus healed the sick. Jesus raised the dead. Jesus cast out demons. You, if, you, if you can read the, the books of, of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you will see the gospel is full of miracles. It is full of the word, and it is full of power, and it is full of Holy Spirit, and it is full of assurance. You cannot separate the power and the gospel. You cannot separate power and the Holy Spirit. They all work together as one. Amen. They work together as one. You and I are Christians. And the word Christian means to be like Christ. And when you and I say, I'm a Christian, we are saying, look at me, I am like Jesus, which means I am preaching the gospel, I am demonstrating the power, I'm operating in the Holy Spirit, and I have great assurance, and I know that what I'm doing is, yes, it's right, it's okay. Now, what's the fruit? What is the fruit of what I'm teaching? Well, in my life, the fruit is over 700,000 people gave their hearts to Jesus. What is the fruit? Blind eyes, deaf ears, the lame, the cripple, even the dead have been raised. Do I say that to brag? You know my heart. I never say this to stand here and brag. I'm trying to teach you something. That when I heard the gospel and when I received Christ, something inside of me changed, as I mentioned this morning. And the change that took place inside of me was for the better, not for the worse. Who can say amen? And my life was so drastically changed that I wanted to get out there and tell so many people about Jesus Christ. Why? Because there's a heaven and there's a hell. Amen? So what is Jesus saying to us? He's saying that if you believe in me, the works that I'm doing, you can do also and greater works. Greater works. Think about that. Your brain just tells, I can't do greater works than you, Jesus. And yet Jesus himself said, yes, you can. Uh -uh. I can't do bigger works than you. No, you can. Uh -uh. No, you can. Uh -uh. You can. Uh -uh. Do you believe in me? Uh -uh. I mean, uh. How many of you believe in Jesus? How many believe this word to be true? Then how many of you are doing it? How many of you are doing it? I know some people come to me, you know, and I've been accused. They say, man, he's such an arrogant preacher, you know. He's so bombastic and he's so full of himself. And he said, there's a difference of having the assurance of who I am in Christ and speaking with a boldness. Because the Bible says when they prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken and they preached the gospel boldly. 
Amen. Acts chapter 4. When the people prayed together, they said, Lord, help us because we are being persecuted and we are going through struggles and hard times because of what we are preaching. And they said, Lord, give us more. Stretch out your hands so that he signed. Let's read that. Go with me to Acts chapter 4. I love the word. How many of you love the word? Acts chapter 4, verse 29. If you can, get it on the, on the board. That'll be great. So here are the disciples. They're going through trials and tribulations, and you know they're doing what God told them. And because of that, great persecution comes upon them. So they come together, the disciples, and they pray, verse 29, and they said, Now, Lord, look on their threats. Look at me. When last have you been threatened for the sake of the gospel that you've been preaching? When last, have, when last have people mocked you, pointed finger and you, said you're mad, you're of the devil, what you're doing is wrong? Are you going through that? Or have you been intimidated by the devil by saying, no, 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 let's take it easy, let's slow down, let's not be radical, let's just, you know, let's just preach this word softly and gently. No, those who preach the word with boldness, those who preach the word with fire, with signs, wonders, miracles, they went through persecution. They said, now, Lord, look on their threats and grant your servants that with all boldness, that's you and I, that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand. Watch this. To heal. Somebody say heal. Hmm? To heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. The very thing they were persecuted for, they prayed and they said, Lord, please give us more boldness. Lord, stretch out your hand. Lord, empower us that we can do signs and wonders and healings and miracles in your name. And the Bible says when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? They're preaching the gospel, and with the gospel comes the power. But to receive the power, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when you receive the baptism and the power, you have an assurance. You have a boldness inside of you to preach this good news. Come on, this is revival. Where the church has become dead, dilapidated, broken, sleeping. Everybody's like a robot on a Sunday. They wake up, get out of bed. Come to church. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Pray. Go back home. Drink a coffee. Eat a sandwich. Little robots. Tin soldiers going in, going out. But Monday, they wake up. Monday, whoo, I'm out of my Christian mode. I can get back into my worldly mode. Hallelujah. Whoo, I can dance and I can drink and I can smoke and I can fight and I can watch sex on TV and all of a sudden Christianity gone I don't witness I don't pray for the sick I'm not casting out devils I'm not I'm not helping those who are in need no why because I'm 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 doing the worldly thing why because I'm in the world out there and I don't want my religion my Christianity to offend the people around me because if I offend them, they're going to get mad at me. And when they get mad at me, well, then there's going to be friction all the time. And I just don't like friction. I just don't like opposition. I don't like it when people come against me. So guess what I do? I compromise. And I hide my religion as if I'm ashamed of who I am. 
That's why I teach and I say many people are submarine Christians. Because they dive under the water Monday to Saturday. You don't see them. You don't hear them. And then Sunday, boop, they come back up again. They surface to the top and they do their little Christian thing and then boop, they disappear again. Come on. Guys, you know my heart. We need a revival. We need a, a spiritual awakening. Who can say amen? We need a Pentecostal move, an outpouring of God's Spirit. We need the boldness that these people had to come upon us, to stand up and say, let me go. Amen. We must do it. Turn to your neighbor and say, not on you. <laughs> huh? You've got to do it. Not me. You've got to do it. Who agrees? Let me guarantee you, tomorrow, guarantee, tomorrow you are going to cross the path of somebody sick. You're gonna, I'm going to lay hands on you, and God's going to anoint you and fill you with His glory and His power, and you're going to fall out under the glory, and you're going to be touched by God. But tomorrow God's going to say, all right, I gave you my power, now what are you going to do with it? And you're going to find somebody who's deaf. You're going to find somebody who's crippled. You're going to find somebody who's got a headache or some cold or some problem. And then God's going to say, well, there we are. Hello. I've given you my power. I've given you my glory. Now what are you going to do with it? You're going to talk to somebody who's going to be swearing and using the Lord's name in vain. Tomorrow, guaranteed, you're going to have people who are mad and people who are, who are full of demons. And the Lord says, well, I brought this person to you. Are you going to share the good news? Are you going to tell them about me? What are you going to do, Christian? I'll phone Pastor James. He can tell them. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Anybody with me? So can we do what Jesus did? This is the question. This is my message. And I'll go tonight and I'll go a little bit longer. And tomorrow night I'll continue. How can we be like Jesus? Is it blasphemy to say I am like Jesus? No. That's the word Christian. To be Christ-like. What's the word disciple? It means to be a follower of Jesus. So. Go to John again, chapter 14. Turn to your neighbor while you're going in your Bible. Turn to your neighbor and say, God's speaking to you tonight. Who believes that? Do you know what I find amazing about this country? is in every town I go to, there's a race course, horses. And I find it amazing that in, in certain places, they have this, is it once a month, where they dress up? Have you seen that? Yeah. How, how you Aussies like to dress up for, I don't know what even day you call this thing. And then they go out to the race horse thing, all dressed up. And then they gamble their money away. And most of them get drunk and have a party. Isn't that amazing how much money and effort is put in for that day? And then I look at the church and the Christians who won't put any effort in for God. But they will put all the effort in for the devil. Isn't it amazing how we can go to a football match, a rugby game, and it can rain or the sun can beat down on us. 
and we'll sit there for three, four hours, even standing in line to get into the stadium. You'll spend how much money on chips and hot dogs and cold drink, but you come to church for more than an hour, we can't do that. Isn't that amazing? How we would worship the devil more than we will worship God. Isn't it amazing that we can go to the, to the shopping mall and we can go to the movie house and we can spend three hours watching a movie, spend our money on all of this, buy the food and the stuff that goes with it, but they ask you to come to church every night of the week and to give your heart to Jesus, to serve Him, to take money out and put it in the offering. What a big deal that is. How we worship the devil more than what we will worship our God. And I'm talking to Christians. For where your treasure is, there is your heart. It's not where your heart is, there's your treasure. It's where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. It's a sad thing to have so many Christians, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, sitting in church, yet they're not being or doing what they're supposed to do. Jesus says in John 14 verse 8, Philip says to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. And Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Yes, Philip. I mean, he's, he's intrigued by what Jesus is doing. He, he's seeing the miracles, the wonders, but he, he's not certain. Is this God? Is this God? And he says, show us the Father. Tell us more about the Father. And he says, listen, this is Jesus. And he says, Peter, what you, when you see me, you are seeing the Father. I read to you in Thessalonians, Paul came, and Thessalonians, I think it's uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, he says that you are to imitate me. He, he's, Paul says, I've been praying for you, the church, and you know what? I don't even have to come anymore because what I taught you, what I was showing you, you are doing already in Thessalonians. You see, the church was following Paul's direction, and the church was copying Paul and doing what Paul said, and Paul was so happy about that. He said, yes, that's what I want. You are preaching the gospel. You are bringing a demonstration of the power. You're doing all of this. But today, the church is not like that anymore. The church has followed the way of the world instead of the way of Jesus. Am I making sense? Jesus says to Philip, verse 10, watch this. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Listen to what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, if you want to see the Father, if you want to see everything that I'm doing, it's not me. Think about that. Jesus, the Son of the living God, is not even taking glory for himself. He's giving honor to the Father. That's how humble he was. And he said, if, he, if, if, if what I'm doing is not me, I'm not speaking to you, but it's the Father in me speaking through me to you. He's not me doing the miracles, but it's the Father in me. Working through me, doing the miracles to you. Can you all agree with that? Hmm? Jesus says, 
Verse 11, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Are you hearing that? Have you heard the word works? How many of you believe we are saved by grace and not by works? But how many of you know that we need to have works with our faith? Hear my message. If we don't have works to prove our faith, the gospel we preach is dead. Because Paul said, I not only bring to you the gospel through word only, but in power also. And to have the demonstration of the power, we need the Holy Spirit. Are you following this? So Paul, Jesus is saying, listen, Philip, if you don't believe what I'm saying and everything, believe the miracles. Because it's that miracle that I'm doing that will help bring con- uh, 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 convincing that the word I'm preaching is true. Make sense? I bring that across, right? The word that I'm preaching is not a dead word. The gospel that I'm preaching is not dead. It's real. This book is alive. The words in this Bible is alive. Hebrews 4.12. A lot of people are sitting in church Sunday after Sunday. They're as dead as a doornail. Just dead. They're sitting, ah, that's nice. Ooh, yippee, I like that one. And they go out and the word that they heard was never made alive by the power that should be attached to the word. That's why people hate religion. Religion is dead. Religion will cause you to have a 45-minute church service. Religion will want you to not worship God longer than 10 minutes. Relationship is built out of reality. Lord, you are real. And because you are real, I want to be with you. Come on, how many of you have ever fallen in love? Married men, you better put your hand up. (laughs) But let's face it. When you fall in love, that love... Towards the person you've fallen in love with is, is longing to be in their presence. Help me, yes or no? Yeah. I'm in love with this person. I remember when I met Shemaine. I couldn't wait to visit her. I would visit her right through the night. We would, well, Shemaine's dad chased me away many times, you know. <laughs> and I'm talking about clean visiting. You know, as, as 17, 18-year-old kids, we would sit in the living room and uh, Shemaine's parents would go to bed at about 11 o'clock, you know, and Shemaine and I would sit there and drink coffee and they always made the best cake. I don't know why. Her mom just had the best cake. And we would sit and just talk and we'd visit, you know. And I just didn't want to go. Who knows? That, that in love does not want you to separate yourself from the one you love. Until that cough started developing in the other bedroom. You know, the father. (coughs) I know, it's time for me to go now. (laughs) Anybody bear witness with what I'm saying? And then I can't wait. You go home, you're all excited. You can't sleep. You just can't sleep. I'm in love. Man, I want to see her again. 
I just want to see her. I just want to phone her. I want to talk with her. I want to visit her. I want to be with her. Ladies, you know, that is called relationship. And I want to be with Jesus the same. I love him. I love his presence. I can't wait to get to church. Oh, are we finished singing? Can't we sing one more song? Are we going to pray? Have you finished praying? Oh, man. Is the service over? Come on, tell me more about Jesus. I want to read his word. I want to have that encounter. Lay your hand on me, please. I just want to feel the Holy Ghost. I want to have that intimate moment with my Jesus. That's relationship. But most Christians, come on, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. Time to go home now. My cricket's starting. The rugby's on, you know. Hurry, hurry, hurry. (laughs) Philip, show us the Father. Jesus said, Philip, don't you know that I'm in the Father the Father is in me? That when you look at me, you are looking at the Father. And if you don't believe that, you're looking at the Father, then believe what I'm doing because what I'm doing is not me. It's the Father doing it. So this is the Father in action. This is love. Amen. Do you believe this tonight? Go to the first book of John. The first book of John. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a Christian. Now tell your neighbor, act like one. (laughs) He didn't like that, so you can say it again. Act like a Christian. Don't act like the world, act like a Christian. The first book of John, chapter 4. Verse 15. If you never underline this in your Bible, I think it's a good time to do so because verse 15 says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Can I read this again? Whoever, how many many of you know what whoever means? Whoever is? Whoever. All of us are part of the whoever's. It's not just the frozen chosen, you know. It's not just for the Jews. It's not just for certain elected called people. Like the the Catholics would believe that certain people. No, God says whoever. Amen. Whoever. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God. This morning we had 30 people stand up and give their lives to Jesus or make a rededication to Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? So they've confessed Jesus. Now guess what happens? God abides in him and he in God. So when I teach this evening the word Christian, doing the works of Jesus, then I want you to understand that each and every one of us, if you've given your life to Jesus, you can be like Jesus. Jesus said to Philip, I'm in the Father, the Father is in me. Now you and I come to church. We give our hearts to Jesus. We invite God to live in us. Can you say amen? Now like Jesus, we too, God is in us and we are in God. Right? He goes on, verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. 
And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Say with me, God is love. So when you and I, when, when, when Jesus has the Father who is love living inside of him, you and I, we get born again, we also now carry the same love as Jesus carries. And this is just for free. Don't you dare tell me you cannot forgive somebody. Because if you have Christ living in you, you have the ability because of the love of Jesus to forgive those who have angered you and made you mad. Because if you cannot forgive people right now, listen to what I'm saying. And I believe this is the Holy Spirit speaking through me. If you cannot release people and forgive people, you don't have the love of Christ in you. That's a tough word, isn't it? But love conquers all. I said love conquers, conquers all. Love covers a multitude of sins. And my love that I've received the day I became a Christian enables me to love the worst sinner in the world and to forgive him as God has forgiven me. Amen. Verse 17 says, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Please underline the sentence. Are you, are you reading this with me? Verse 17, because as he is, so are we in this world. Are you with me? Verse 17, 1 John 4, verse 17. As he is, so are we in this world. Say that with me, would you tonight say, as Jesus is, so am I here in this world. Say it again, as he is, as he is. So, am so am I. Close your eyes and say it, as he is, as he is. So, am so am I. Do it again, as he is, again, 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 one more time. Look at me. How is he? Depressed? Sick, <coughs> poor, hiding everybody. Come on, look at me. Is he always drunk, smoking, getting high, having sex with everybody, watching pornography? Is he fighting, stabbing people, punching people, hating people? Is that our Jesus? then why do Christians look like that? Why do Christians do that? Because the scripture says, as he is, so am I. Don't tell me you cannot be like that because he's telling us you can. As he is, so am I. If Jesus could do it, so can I. If Jesus can do it, he said, you can do it. I believe it. What I'm doing, the works that I'm doing, you can do. And greater works than these you can do. Do you believe what I'm saying tonight? Why, am I, why are you saying all of this? Because the devil is a liar. And he's stopping you from being the Jesus that you should be. The Christian that you should be. 
People get excited, you know. I don't know if you get excited, but people get excited when I go and preach in the church. They say, wow, Dion's coming. Let's check what Dion can do this week. What's going to happen? But you shouldn't get excited about a guest speaker coming. You should be excited the morning you wake up and you say, Lord, here am I. I'm going to get out of this bed and I'm going to go and do something for your kingdom. Hallelujah. The devil's petrified because I just got out of bed today. The devil hates it when I get out of bed. He cannot stand. He's saying, oh my God, that man's awake again. Hallelujah. Are you a threat to the devil? Or has the devil thrown his little lasso rope over you, caught you, and is he operating you like a dummy? Just doing and being the puppet Satan wants you to be. We need a Holy Ghost revolution. Come on, we need a revival. Who can say amen? We need the body of Christ to rise up. Awake you who sleep, the Bible says. Arise, let your light shine. Let the people see who you are. Stop being ashamed of being a Christian. Say with me, as he is, so am I. One more time, as he is, so am I. How long have I been preaching now? Go with me to Matthew 3. One more verse. Can I give you more? Who wants a little bit more? Remember, 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, chapter 1, verse 5 says this. He said that we are to bring the gospel. I didn't only come with you in the gospel by preaching the word, but by the word also and power. Are you remembering this? We are to preach the gospel with the word, and we are to preach the, the power, and we are to preach the Holy Spirit. And by doing all of this, we will have an assurance inside of us. There's a boldness. There's a peace. Now, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 13, Matthew 3, 13, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. Somebody say baptized. Now we all know, I know you don't have a problem with this, but maybe there are some people from another church background. The word baptized here is from the word baptismo, which we all understand and have been taught. Baptismo means to be fully immersed. It means to be put under. Another word I like, translation says, it means to be dunked. How many of you ever played in the pool? You know, I remember when, when I was a kid, I would always play with my friends, and you'd swim up to them, and you'd dunk them in the water. Who knows what it means? You put their head under the water. That's what it means. Baptismo means exactly. And another translation, I like an uh, explanation for the word baptismo means to be pickled. <laughs> I like it, to be pickled. You know, when you take those whatever, cucumbers or whatever, and you lay it in the juice, it's pickled, right? Now, Jesus, at the age of 30, somebody say 30. 30. As a fully grown man, he goes to John the Baptist to be water baptized at the age of 30. Think about that. It wasn't, they, they didn't take Jesus as a baby to sprinkle him with water. Nowhere, show me in your Bible where Jesus was sprinkled with water as a baby. It's not there. That's a man-made thing. Now, I know some of you would say, yeah, but are you, are you coming against churches now again? Are you fighting? No, 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 not at all. I'm teaching you that we are followers of Jesus. As he is, so are we. Are you getting it? 
as he is, so are we. Well, how is he? Well, Jesus came as a fully grown man to be water baptized, to be dunked, to be put under. Now, I've heard some people say, well, that'll be the day I'm never going to do that. I was sprinkled as a baby. I've already been baptized. No. Jesus went and he got water baptized. Now, we read in Matthew 18, verse 19, I'll quote it to you. Jesus says that we are to take this gospel and preach it to the whole world, right? And then we are to baptize people in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Who agrees? We first got to preach the gospel, the good news, get people saved, and then water baptize them. You don't take a baby and sprinkle him and say he's baptized. That's the wrong order. First you get them saved, and then you water baptize them. Why? Because what's the point of of baptizing a baby when he doesn't know what's right or wrong? There's no power in that because Satan knows that when you go and you've given your life to Jesus and you baptize yourself, and you know this, I know Pastor James teaches this quite often, but when I baptize myself, it's like sealing the deal with God. It's I'm taking this old man, Dion Hockey, the drinker, the fighter, the smoker, and I say I'm taking him now because I've given my life to Jesus and I'm going to bury the old man in the water. See, baptisms is a burial. It's a burial service. I'm burying the old man. I'm burying that sin-natured man. All the faults and mistakes that I made. There he goes, boom, under the water. And now when I rise up out of the water, I am a new person in Christ. Like Jesus was raised from the dead, so I too, spiritually speaking, am raised now up. And I'm a new person in Christ. Now, Satan knows the moment you make that decision as a Christian, that is the final, I'm finished with the world. I'm finished with the world. I want nothing to do with that. I'm separating myself from the world. Now, what does Satan do? He doesn't want you to be separated from the world. Pastor Malcolm said, we are a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. The Bible says we are a peculiar people. I don't look like them. I don't walk like them. I don't act like them. Yes, I'm living in the world, but I'm not of this world. Come on, who's happy? I'm born into the kingdom of God, bless the Lord. I have a different father now. I have a good father. You're a good, good father. You know that one? It's like the cue. <laughs> Does this make sense? Yeah. Now watch this. If Jesus was water baptized, let's read this on. He says, then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. I'll teach on that in this week. Then he allowed him. Watch verse 16. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. In other words, Jesus was fully immersed in water. Now Jesus says that we must believe and then also be fully immersed in water. Who agrees? 
I want to challenge you. Anybody sitting here tonight, if you call yourself a Christian, if you say, I'm, I'm a born-again Christian, but you've never been fully immersed in water baptism, then I want to challenge you, do it ASAP. Sunday night. That sounds like a plan to me. If you have not been water baptized, I don't care what church background you're coming from. I don't care what church you come from. If you dare say you're a Christian, you must be like Jesus as he is, so am I. And if it, if it was good enough for Jesus to be water baptized, then you and I should be good enough to follow the footsteps of Jesus and also be water baptized. Come on, who agrees with that? You must follow Jesus. You must be like Jesus. So, with the pastor's permission, I love that. In, in, in uh, where were we now? In Rocky, we baptized, uh, how many people were baptized? 12 people were baptized. I want to challenge you. Let's get more people on Sunday next week to get baptized, Sunday night. Who, who accepts this challenge with us? Come on. Has anybody in this room not yet been water baptized? Raise your hand if you have not yet been water baptized. And how many of you would like to be water baptized? Raise your hand. Well then, give your name to pastor. Have you already arranged this? Oh. <laughs> Hallelujah. Come on, we're going to have a baptismal service. Bless the Lord. We're going to make the devil mad. <laughs> I like that. Now, now, some of you sitting here, you say, I'm not even from this church. Well, then go to your church and tell your pastor, your minister to baptize you. And if he doesn't want to baptize you, then you come here and we'll gladly do it for you. And you know what? I like to baptize people. I hold them under the water until the lost bubble comes up. And then, no. <laughs> I make sure you die for Jesus. No, no. <laughs> See, we give you the gospel, then the power will raise you from the dead after that. So. Joke. Just in case somebody gets carried away. Last thing, last thing. And then tomorrow night I'm going to continue. When Jesus had been baptized, verse 16, Jesus came up from the water and immediately the heavens were opened to him and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and sitting or alighting upon him. Please note the word, the Holy Spirit came upon him and not in him. What does that mean? Jesus is empowered by God to preach the gospel with the signs and the wonders following him. You didn't get that. So I'll have to teach this tomorrow night. Who's going to come back tomorrow night? Come on, get on the phone, invite your friends, tell them you need to come and listen to what this guy's saying. Because Paul said, I'm bringing my gospel to you not only in word, but in power also. Come on, Christian. We are to preach the word with power, with the Holy Spirit, signs, wonders, and miracles, knowing that we have this assurance about the God that we serve is alive. Amen. As he is, so are we. So I end off with this. Jesus said, I'm in the Father, and the Father is in me. 
You and I go to church, we give our hearts to Jesus. Now we can say we are in the Father and the Father is in us. Who agrees? God is love. You and I receive Christ in our hearts, so we have the same love. Jesus was baptized as a fully grown man. You and I, we also are baptized after we receive salvation. Jesus receives the Holy Spirit when he was water baptized. Acts 1.8 says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And with this power, you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the othermost parts of the earth. So as he is, so are we. Say that with me. As he is, so are we. Say this. I'm not a sissy. <laughs> I'm not a weakling. I'm not religious. Say this. I'm full of power, full of glory full of the Holy Ghost, as my Jesus is, so am I. If you believe that, give him a clap offering tonight. Come on. <laughs> Hallelujah. May I ask you to bow your head and close your eyes? It's going to be a good week. I can feel it. Who agrees? A good week. When you wake up by Wednesday, the devils are going to say, oh no, another one just woke up. Another one of those crazy Christians just woke up. The news will spread in this town. I'm prophesying. The news is going to spread in this town about what God is going to do in this church. And people are going to stand amazed and say, are you part of that crazy church? And you're going to say, yes, I am. And I'm proud of it. You need to get there because you need Jesus. You need Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of who I am. I pray tonight that you will not be ashamed of who you are. That you will stand up and be a shining light. That you will say tonight, as he is, I am. Jesus said, the works that I do, you will do also in greater works than these because I go to my Father. From now on, we will begin to do the greater works of Jesus. I didn't get an amen. I said, we're going to do the greater works of Jesus. Amen. Not Dion Hockey, not James Hewitt. All of us will do the works of Jesus. Father, I thank you tonight. You're a good, good Father. You're an awesome father. You're a loving father. You're a caring father. You're a merciful father, full of grace and truth. You are patient and kind towards us. But father, you are a holy father. You are a righteous father. You are, you are glorious. And Lord, I want to I wanna ask your forgiveness tonight. If I and the people in this room with me have become weary in well-doing, if we have become afraid of shining our light, if we have become afraid of what people will think or say about us, Lord. I ask you, Lord, tonight to remove the fear of man. I need an amen there. Lord, remove the fear of man 
And I ask you tonight, bring the fear of God back inside of us. That we will fear you, honor you, respect you for who you are and for what your word says. Let us not compromise God. For we are living in the end times. It's dire straits out there, Lord. People are going to hell. Alcoholism is rampant. Drug addiction is rampant. Hate and pornography and rape is rampant. Violence is everywhere. In this country, in this town, Lord, people are lost. It is the blind leading the blind. But open our eyes tonight, Father, I pray that we will not lead people astray, but that we would lead people to your, to your throne. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Those of you who want me to lay hands on you, I want you to stand up right now and get down to the front. If you want God to baptize you with a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit, come on, you stand up, you get down here. If you need a healing in your body, you stand up, you get down here. And I will lay my hands on you and we will ask God to touch you supernaturally with His power. Come on, family, you should all have jumped up and run down to the front. You shouldn't even think about, must I go or mustn't I go? You should be down here hungry for Him. Hungry for Him. We worship you, worship you, Jesus. You are worthy, you are worthy, you are worthy. Please do not stand directly behind someone. You know that when I lay hands on people, they go out under the power of God. So I don't want anybody falling on top of anybody tonight. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We worship you. We worship you. Come on, close your eyes and begin to meditate on what I was preaching tonight. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We worship you, we worship you, we worship you, Lord. We worship you, we worship you, we worship you. Lift your hands towards heaven and begin to worship Him in the Spirit. Begin to worship Him in truth. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You are perfect, Lord, in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. That's it. Yes, you are, Jesus. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. Sing it again. You are perfect. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. It's wonderful. You are perfect. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. To uh, you're a good, good father. Yes, Lord. I'm loved by you, it's who I am, 
It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. Father, we thank you right now that you will touch your people. Lord, I cannot touch them. Only you can touch them. Only you can change minds. Only you can renew hearts. Only you, Lord, can, can bring this boldness upon your people. Lord, I've, I've preached the word and I've given the scriptures. But I ask you now to demonstrate this word by the following signs. Lord, baptize these that are hungry this evening. Lord, fill them with your Holy Spirit. Empower them tonight, Lord, as you did the apostles of old, Lord. When you breathed upon them and they received salvation and when the Holy Spirit came upon them and they were empowered to go out and do the miracles and the signs and the wonders, I pray like they did in Acts chapter 4 tonight, Lord, that you will baptize this group of people, Lord, that you will fill them with so much boldness, Lord, that they will preach this gospel, not fearing man, but that signs and wonders and miracles will be the order of the day. Not just in this building, but outside of this building, Father God. Touch our young people, Father God. Baptize them, Father God, with so much power, Lord, that they will be like a, a walking electricity box and anybody who touches them will be zapped by the power, Father. Fill us with this anointing. Let the demons tremble tonight. Let them know that they know that they know they are standing in front of God-fearing men and women. We pray for Gladstone, Lord, that this is, this is the, the eighth year that I've been coming to this church, seventh year, Lord. Lord, we pray for a revival to break out in Gladstone, Father. We need a revival in the shopping malls and in the, in the streets and in the houses and in the companies, the businesses, Father. We need a revival to come everywhere, God. Here, I ask you to move by your Spirit. Move by your Spirit, Lord. I've equipped your children tonight, Lord. I've given them the written word. I'm going to lay hands on them, Father. And I ask you that those who are sick in their bodies will receive supernatural healings. That you'll heal the shoulders and the necks and the backs and the stomachs and the lungs and the hearts. Whatever it is, Lord, heal your people. Show them that you are real, God. Set them free, Lord. Those who are bound by drugs and addiction and, and fear and whatever thing it is that Satan has held them captive, I ask you tonight to set them free. Jesus, do it tonight, Lord. Do it tonight, Lord. I'm not asking you for a, for a little airy-fairy made-up story thing, Lord. I'm asking you to touch your people tonight. 
You promised, Lord, and you said in Matthew 5, 6, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Fill us, Lord. Fill us, Lord. You are perfect. That's it. Sing it again. You are perfect in all of your ways. Come a little and see while my longer. You're very welcome just to stay. If you have to go, that's fine. But we're just going to continue.